and I'm going to ask Jill if she would bring the faith box here. Each time we have a child dedicated, we present that child with a, a faith box. And in that box is a letter from myself. There's a letter from uh, Pastor Alexis. There will be letters from dad and mom and grandpa and mom, grandma and faith parents. And there's a Bible there. And just uh, it's, a, it's a box into which markers over the years, spiritual markers and important dates and times in life can be placed just as a memorial and, and markers uh, over the coming years. So we gladly present this to you guys and congratulate you on uh, the start of your family Thank with you. such a precious little boy. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Dana. God bless you. Congratulations, grandparents. Thanks, <laughs> All right. Thank you. Watch yourself. Thanks, Pastor Well, it is great to have you uh, here this morning, and we're just getting started in a brand new year. I think that's always an exciting thing. God has things in store for us this year, and we're going to be talking about that today. And so if you have your Bible this morning, you can turn back to the book of Joshua, uh, chapters, chapter 3 and 4, and there will be a verse or two on the screen during the service as well. But I'm going to basically, rather than read the story to you, I'm going to tell you the story there uh, that God gives us from those two chapters, because I think it's uh, very applicable to standing at the vantage point we are this morning between the ending of last year and the beginning of a brand new year. So Joshua's chapter, Joshua chapters 3 and 4 tell the story of Israel crossing the Jordan River. So here we have Joshua and 2 million people or so behind him, and that's a lot of people. And they're following God and have been now for 40 years toward the promised land. They come up to the Jordan River, the last leg of the journey, in March or April of about 1400 B.C., and they find the Jordan River is at, at, at flood stage. Now, normally the Jordan River is about 100 feet wide. Now they find it probably 14 or 15 feet deeper than it normally would have been and two or three times as wide as it would have been. And now it is a raging, flowing flood that's just sweeping everything in its, in its wake, sweeping everything away. It's full of debris. And you know the picture of a, of a raging, flooding river. Now, what do you imagine the sound of two million people groaning at the same time is? I mean, there are about 200 people in here this morning. Would you all groan? Okay. Now imagine two million people. Okay. <laughs> it had to reverberate. But I would imagine, I would guess that that's what they did because they thought it looked like everything they had hoped for, it looked like their future was just being swept away by a raging flood. However, God was still there and Joshua was listening to God. And God told Joshua, gave some instructions to Joshua. He said, I want you to tell the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was this wooden chest overlaid with gold that whenever Israel was camped, it was always placed at the very center of, uh, of this huge tent called the Tabernacle or the Tent of Worship. And, and the Ark of the Covenant represented the promise that God had made to Israel that he would always be with them, 
And he would always help them, guide them, open up their path for them. And so he tells them, he tells the priests, I want you to begin walking toward, in fact, I want you to walk into the Jordan River. Now, I can imagine some of the priests there, when they heard Joshua say that, you know, a couple of them might have come up to him and said, you know, Joshua, I've been, uh, I've been meaning to tell you that I was going to retire from the priesthood. Or uh, they walked up and said, you know, Joshua, I've just you know, been thinking of changing professions. I thought maybe shepherding looked really good. Uh, but anyhow, he, uh, he tells them, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, I want, you to, I want you to walk into the river and take a stand right there. In other words, he was saying, don't stop. Don't get stuck. We're not going to get stuck here. Like, our future is, is, is gone. We're going to take the next step. We're going to walk straight up to the challenge. And here's what happened. When they put their faith to work and they stepped forward into the raging flood, God began to work on their behalf. 20 miles upstream, at a little place called Adam, God stopped the river's flow. He said it, he put, he, in other words, with, with his own invisible hand, God set up, he dammed up the river, 20 miles north. Now, it would have looked like the priests, it would have looked like to all the people that when the priests stepped into the river at that moment, it would have looked like absolutely nothing happened, that nothing changed whatsoever. The water was still raging and the flood was still terrible and scary and all that stuff. And you know, that's the way faith works sometimes. God works upstream before we even know that he's involved in our situations. And faith is, faith is, is belief in a God. We can't see him. But he is a God who, when we pray and trust him, he reveals himself in the most remarkable kinds of ways. Why? Because he is the true and the living God. He's not a figment of our imagination. He is the God who desires to enter into covenant with us. He's the God who loves us. And he's the God who promises to be with us. So the river opened up. And then Joshua told the priest to do something else. He says, now I want you to go out and stand in the middle part, or the deepest part of what had been the river, now the river bed. I want you to go out and stand at the very deepest, scariest part of that river. Now, even though the path had been opened up and the rotters had been dammed, I think it could have still been a pretty scary thing to walk out into the, into the deepest part of that river, especially at flood stage. It would have been like standing at the foot of an invisible dam. In other words, there's a dam there, but you can't see it. And holding back the flood. And I think it's one thing to take a step into the shallow edge of a flood and see God from that vantage point open up the rest of the river across. But it's entirely a different thing to turn that one step into a walk of faith and walk right out into the middle of it. Because what if God changes his mind? What if God's attention gets diverted and he pulls his hand back and you know, everything comes crashing in? I mean, sometimes we can get a great start in faith, but then never turn that into a walk of faith. And, that, and I think that's what God was calling the people of Israel to do. He was calling them to not take just the first step, but he was calling them to take one step after another, and continue through the whole dilemma, through the whole crisis, all the way across to the other side, to put their trust and their confidence in him. And that's why God told Joshua, I want the priests who are bearing that, that chest, 
the Ark of the Covenant that represents my promises and my relationship with my people. I want them to go and stand right in the middle of that river. God wants, wanted them to know, and he wants you and I to know, that he will never go back on his covenant. He'll never go back on his promises. But he will see us through to the other side. And then God told Joshua to do another thing very, very important. After they had all gotten across on the other side, while the priests were still standing out there in the middle, he sent one man from each of the 12 tribes of Israel back out to the middle of the river where the priests were, the, the deepest, most impossible part, and he told them to dig out from the riverbed right there 12 large stones, and then to carry those on their shoulder all the way to the new side of the river, and once they got there, to pile those stones up in a huge pile as a memorial, a place of remembrance, so that all future generations, when they came walking past the Jordan River and they saw those 12 huge stones, every, they would say, well, what are these stones piled here for? Uh, children and grandchildren would say, what, what's with this? And then they would be able to, to tell them the story. This is what our God did for us in our history at an impossible moment, an impossible time, so that these kids could then continue to be encouraged and trust that the same God would handle all the impossible things that they would encounter in their lives. And God wants us to see that as well. Now, I want us to talk about a different river, a, a different river right now, uh, and that's the river of 2011. Uh, 2011 was not an easy year. It was like a flood, you know, like a river at flood stage for many of you people seated right here, Calvary Church family. There were illnesses. There were long stays for, many, for several in the hospital with lots of surgeries. There is the economy that in one way or another is probably impacting all of us. There were loss of jobs. There were people that walked into their place of employment only to discover that day that the place was shutting down or that they weren't working there anymore. That happened to people in this church, and they lost their income. Uh, we have people in our congregation that have suffered the loss of loved ones this past year, uh, and with all the, the sorrow and the grief that comes along with that loss. So it's, we, we have faced life's battles, life's blows, life's disappointments, life's discouragements. But I praise God for this Calvary Church family because you faced the flood and you are here today on the other side of 2011 on the shore of 2012. So you, ma you made it across. You're here this morning. And we ought to, that ought to be worth an applause, right? We're here. Okay. We made it through 2011. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take this one Sunday morning and turn this into a memorial. And from our vantage point, we're going to look in two directions right now. We're going to look back at some of the things that God did for us and through us, this church family, in 2011. And then we're going to look forward at what the Lord has for us and at the things he can do through us in 2012. So first of all, let's go back 12 months, or a little bit more than 12 months, to the very beginning 
of 2011, when we stood in front of this, you know, the, the raging river of 2011. Now, uh, just as it would have been easy for the priests to seek other employment at that moment, or to just hold back and say, Joshua, what you're asking is crazy. We can't, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a flooding river out there, Joshua. Why don't you go and stand there? I mean, they could have held back. They could have found excuses to not, to not engage, to not go forward. And you know what? We could have too. You could have. You could have. This could have been a year easy for, for your, your faith to sort of get diminished or your faith to be, you know, uh, to be weakened. But, you're, but you held on and you moved forward and you went through the flood. And I, I just want to share some of the things that in spite of the raging flood of 2011, God has done through your lives, through this church. This, fa- this church family saved thousands of lives in 2011 and gave hope to thousands more in 2011. Let me share some of that with you. Globally, just teamed up with our 37 missionary partners. For instance, you helped Kevin Smith to drill more water wells in Kenya to prevent disease and death from stocking those villages. And at the same time Kevin was doing that, he was sharing the water of life that, that satisfies the soul. You helped Fauzi Arzuni continue to teach farming in the very poor country of Mali by helping get the first tractor into that area that has ever been there. You helped Earl and Laura Goodrich serve the children of AIDS victims in Africa. You sent Josh and Lindy Johnson to remote villages in southern Asia, sharing the gospel with people, some of them for the very first time they've ever heard it. You sent Elma Marina to abandoned and forgotten orphans in Romania, where she went in and valued those children, hugged them, and she restored their future. You restored their future. This church, you put Elma there. You supplied hundreds of chickens, as you know at Advent Conspiracy, you supplied thousands of chickens to impoverished families in many places that are going to keep those families alive for a good long time to come. You provide, you are, and this morning, you are providing a home filled with love and good care to abandoned, abused, and parentless kids at the Hillcrest Children's Home in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Now, I could go on with a lot longer global list of what you guys have done in 2011, but locally. You packaged meals, thousands of meals, sent out to thousands of children. Some of you worked at the Ronald McDonald House. Some of you shared Jesus and hope with prisoners at Cook County Jail every Friday night. Some of you have gone over to the Lamont Nursing Care Facility uh, and shared from room to room, shared hope and love in Christ with with the people that some of whom are confined to their rooms. They can't leave. The prayer circle, every time we get prayer requests or you write a prayer request out on your connection card, and we received over 500 such prayer requests this year, and those were prayed for by 30 or 40 people in our congregation that are part of that prayer force. And think of it, we don't even know all the difference that that prayer made. 
but God does. Our kids supplied food to the food pantry. They wrote notes to people that are shut in and sick. They sang over at the Lamont Care Center. Uh, This congregation helped Teen Challenge this year in Chicago reach out and salvage the lives of many men and women and put their lives back on track. Our young people rode their bikes 100 miles to raise $6,000 to help buy a car that is going to transport Tom and Jenny Keating on the dusty, bumpy roads of Mali, the poorest nation in the world. They're going to drive in that car to remote villages to share Christ with people, some of them, for the first time. Uh, You cooked and you delivered countless meals to uh, people that were shut in and sick in our church family and community. Hundreds of meals were delivered by this church family this year. For over 52 weeks, 50 volunteers from Calvary Church poured over 8,000 hours. I tabulated it. (laughs) It may have been more. Over 8,000 hours of love and influence and God's word into our boys and our girls and into our teenagers in 2011. You gave to 401 Kid to invest in our children's ministry, and you brought Pastor Alexis to Calvary Church, and right now she's downstairs pouring her life into our boys and girls. Uh, This church, I want you to know, prevented home foreclosures for a few people in this congregation this year. Now, you probably didn't know that, but, but you did. By your, faith, by your giving to benevolence, by your kindness, by your generosity. And you stood by those who are facing severe struggles. Yesterday afternoon, some members of the worship team went over and led a worship service for Diane Richardson, for whom we have been praying. And, and Diane, when she was here, those of you that have been here for a while, you know Diane would always sit right back here. And I, I see some members of the family right, right back there now. Uh, and Diane can't be here this morning, and unless there would be some great miracle, I don't think Diane will be here with us in our services anymore, because she is in a very, very severe stage of her battle with cancer. But our worship team went over, she's in the, in the lower level of her home, and they went over yesterday, and, and with some members of the family, and just had a worship service for her. And God's presence filled the room. It was, it was a very, very wonderful time. Um, and you know what? Diane has a message for us this morning. Um, that Pastor Colton was there, and we have on video. And so I want you to just take a listen right now as, as just Diane uh, shares something with her church family. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my year of 2011. I am a cancer victim of 16 years now, but thankful after being in remission for 20 years that the Lord has been with me all those 16 years. But these past six months of 2011 have really taken a toll on me. I can no longer accept chemos, but the Lord has been with me. He's walked by me every minute, and I know that he is with you too. As you can see, I am prepared to go home. These past six months, chemos are no longer available to me. So I have been living under the care of the Lord. I want to thank all my church family for all their love, 
prayers, gifts, and strength they have given me. He is also by your side, helping you with your struggles. Never doubt the Lord. He is always by your side and knows your every needs. Thank you for all your prayers, and may God bless. Amen. Amen. And I, you know, uh, I've told you, I think, last week, whenever I go to visit Diane, uh, she has such a remarkable faith to come through such a difficult time, but she, she encourages me. Uh, she lifts my heart up. And Jill will say the same thing when we've walked out of there, just amazed that a woman can be dealing with something like this. And, and it's a testimony to what Christ does in our lives when a person can, who is staring death in the face, who's staring eternity in the face, here's a woman who is saying, I'm ready, and I'm ready to step across that river. That's the ultimate river to step across, the one that divides this life from the next, and she's ready to meet Christ and step into his presence. So continue to hold Diane in prayer, but let's continue to just take encouragement from her faith so that we can apply that same kind of faith to the issues that we deal with in our lives. Well, that's, so this church has ministered to Diane and kept her in prayer and surrounded her with love, and she's thanking us for that. And there's one other very important thing that uh, this congregation has done this past year, and that is reach out to others. And you've done that with so many people. Some of them have accepted your invitations to come, and some of them are now part of this, of this church family. And what's, one such example is seated right here on the front row this morning. And I've asked Manuel and Alma if they would be so kind as to come and just take a couple moments to share with us the story of how they, they became part of our church family this year and, uh, and what God has done in their lives over the course of this year. Let's welcome, welcome them as they come. Good morning. Um, my wife and I have been a couple for the last, uh, we're going on 10 years now this August. We've been, we're going on our third year of marriage and unfortunately, just after about a year of marriage, we separated last December. And we had been <clears throat> living separately for about six months uh, come June and um, we had thought we had tried everything. We have read marriage books, we sought counseling, um, we asked advice of friends and family, but um, none of it was working for us. And we had thought we had exhausted all of our resources. And in June of last year, a member of this congregation gave one of these, if I can get out of my pocket, to my wife. And this is one of the, the hitched invitations of last year for the sermons in July. So we, we had nothing to lose, so we said, why not? Let's, let's start going to church. Let's see what this is all about. And we came, we attended, and the word of Jesus just hit us like a rainstorm after a long drought. And it filled our hearts and filled our marriages. And... It just gave us the hope to keep fighting. And with the, the lessons on Sundays and the love and respect sermons and the good counsel of Pastor Spence, 
our marriage was saved, our lives were saved, and instead of losing my best friend, instead of losing my marriage, instead of getting a divorce this year, we are closer than we ever have been. We're buying our first home together, and in case you haven't noticed, we're expecting, <laughs> <laughs> we're expecting our first baby. God bless you guys. Thanks a lot. All right. And I'll look forward to that baby dedication. So I think it's in March sometime. So, so we could have stopped, held back, got discouraged at the beginning of 2011, but you as a church family, you, you stayed focused. You, you kept moving forward in your faith, in Christ, and so here are the results. And that's just scratching the surface this morning. Now, we face a new river now. Uh, and that river, I suppose we could say, is also flooding its banks. And that's the river of 2012. 2012 is going to have its own issues and its own problems. In fact, there may be some here this morning. You're only, we're only 15 days into this new river. And you may already be feeling like it's... It's worse than, the, worse than 2011. You may feel like your world is completely unraveling and it, there is no future. You may feel like your future has just been completely swept away. I want to give you the encouragement of the Word of God. And you know what? I like the way Joshua says this a couple times. If you read the text, he says, he told the priest, carry the Ark of the Covenant of the God of all the earth into that river. And that's the one that we serve here this morning. He is the God, the true, the one, the living God of all the earth. And he will hear your prayer. He will enter into a covenant with you. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy walking through this river this year. It may not be easy. Easy comes when we get to heaven someday. Okay? Easy doesn't come in this life. Challenges come. Hard rivers, deep rivers, flood stage rivers. That's what we have in this life. But we have a God who has said, I'll make a path for you through that river if you will trust in me. And that's his word for us this morning as we, as we look forward at 2012. Now, there's some things we can do to help one another. Stay focused and keep a strong faith. And we have planned just a few things here at Calvary to help you take steps and stay focused in your faith. And I guess maybe you could call this the Calvary Church Effective River, Co- river Crossing Plan. I want, I'm going to share a little bit of that river crossing plan with you this morning. Just three or four things. One, and they're very quick. One of them is this. In fact, we start with prayer. And one concrete step that everyone has an opportunity to take is to join us tonight. We're not just having this prayer time tonight because, eh, It'd be nice to have a prayer time. Let's put something on the calendar. No, there's a strategy behind it. I can't think of a better way for a church congregation to start a new year and to cross a river full of difficulties than to come together and pray for one another. That's what's going to happen here tonight, and I can guarantee you that the God who opens up rivers is the God who will be here tonight. And he can do some things tonight in this service that can impact the rest of the 12 months of 2012 in this room tonight. That's the God that we serve. 
Now, this, we're calling this an all-church prayer time from 6.30 to 7 tonight. It's for adults. It's for youth. It's for kids kindergarten through sixth grade. Uh, preschool care and nursery will be taking care of the, the preschoolers downstairs. Parents, I want you to know that I can't think of a better God moment for your family to start this year off than to bring your whole family into this room tonight in the presence of God, teaching them, modeling for them prayer, and letting them pray themselves. We've structured it in such a way that that will happen. Um, we're going to be praying tonight across a wide range of things. We're going to be praying for those that are battling illnesses. We're going to be praying for prodigal loved ones, loved ones, maybe family members or friends that just seem they don't, they don't want God in their life. They don't have any room for God. Maybe they're bitter. But we're going to pray that God in 2012 is going to bring some change into the hearts of family members and loved ones that are just pushing God away. We're going to pray tonight for financial provision, job situations, for marriage and families, children, youth, our nation, our missionaries. We're going to pray for our villages. We're going to pray for our schools in this area. <clears throat> and then there's going to be a time to share personal needs when we break up into prayer circles. So the reason to be here tonight, I already stated it, the God who opens up floods, he's going to be here. I can't think of a better way to start the year. But you know what? Prayer is vital. But there's something else that's really important to building our faith, and that is getting into the Word of God. In fact, the Scripture says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing or by understanding the Word of God. That's how faith comes into our lives, by getting this into our hearts. Now, the first course that is being offered on Wednesday evenings in what we call CORE, the first course of the year is the one that's represented in the card on your seat. And it's called The Bible, Tools for Digging In. It's the one with the caveman on front. And then on back, it says, So Easy a Caveman Can Do It. Now, sometimes the Bible can be a very intimidating book, especially if you're just getting started in your faith. But this is a five- or six-week course that's designed specifically to help us sharpen our skills on how we ourselves can dig into this book. And God can speak to you. He can, he can teach you your faith. He can ground you in your faith. So I would encourage you on Wednesday evenings, if you can work it into your schedule, come and be a part of that. It started this past week with a great response, number of people, uh, but it's not too late to jump in and become part of that. This can change the course of your next 12 months just by getting, getting some skills to get the Scripture deep into your life, deeper into your life. Next week, we're going to begin a five-week series, which we are calling Tug of War. And this is about knowing our enemy. And it's wise. We live in a world that is uh, a conflict. It's in conflict with evil. And I think we all know that. We're going to talk in the next few weeks about the origin of evil, the reality of Satan and his role in evil, and what God teaches us about spiritual weapons to overcome in this conflict to overcome evil in this world, in our own lives as well as as an influence in our world, just to, to strengthen our world. That's what we're going to look at next week, knowing our enemy a little bit. Now, uh, beyond that, and here's just a brief sketch, beginning in March, we're going to be involving ourselves, adults, youth, kids, in what is called the story. And it's going to ca carry us through the rest of the year. What it really is, 
is an innovative way to bring the whole church family together into reading through, learning through the scriptures together. So that that's going to help us get a, deep, a deeper grip on God's word, but it's done in a very creative, interesting, absorbing kind of way. And so what this oil boils down to is these are some steps that are available for this church family to take as that are going to help us develop our river crossing skills. They're going to build river crossing faith for us to get us through Ch- uh, River 2012 onto the shore of 2013 and to do it with God's help and God's strength. Now, the closing point this morning is this. The thing that made the river crossing for the people of Israel possible at all was that they had entered into a covenant with God in which God had promised to be their Savior and to be the one who would be there for them in everything they encountered in life. And so a question I would have is, perhaps you're here this morning and you have not entered into the covenant that God wants to have with you. How do we, how do we enter into that covenant with God? Well, we do that by believing that God sent Jesus Christ into the world to die for our sins. He died on the cross for your sins and my sins so that if we would come to him in faith, all of, those, all of our sins can be washed away. He paid the price for us. When a person receives Christ into their life, and if you do that this morning, if you've never done it, Christ not only forgives you of your sins, but something, something a marvelous consequence of that is, he himself comes in to live inside your life, inside your heart, from which place he will begin to reveal his presence to you personally. So that God is not this remote philosophical concept, but he is a, he, he's living within you. He's in relationship with you. And God will use that covenant. And from the reality of his presence in your life, you can cross any river that you ever come up against this side of heaven. God will be faithful to you and bring you through. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, I'm encouraging all of us to to take a strong hold on prayer, a strong hold on God's word, and stay focused and move forward. Take the challenge that God has set in front of us and see what God does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your love and We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you teach us in your word to stay strong and to stay focused on you and to have confidence and faith. I thank you, Lord, for this congregation. I thank you that you have brought this congregation through 2011. And now, Lord, on the shore of 2012, you have a path that you are already making for us through whatever comes our way. But I pray, Lord, that we will not lose heart. We will not get scared. We will not get discouraged. But we will, we will know that the God who's entered into covenant with us will never break his promises. He's going to bring us through to the other side. So, Father, thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness and your grace to us. Help us, Lord, to live in that faith and help us to, to share that faith with others. And, Lord Jesus, we give you praise for this. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.